What's going on, coaches? I want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, everybody's uh, wives or moms. Uh, hopefully they're enjoying uh, this day for themselves. We're excited again tonight. Um, the Not the last, but next to last episodes of Jordan Documentaries coming out uh, as we record this, so excited to watch that. Uh, also, we've got really big, a really big thing coming on uh, for RTP. We are setting up the exact date and time, so I'll let you know when we know that. Uh, but it's coming in the next two to three weeks, uh, and it is a leadership webinar. Uh, it's going to be about 20 minutes of, of our guest speaking, and then he's going to go through a Q&A, and it is some really, really powerful, unbelievable stuff. Uh, one of the major leadership programs in the whole North America, um, but they are work exclusively with, not exclusively, but a lot with uh, Division One football teams. Uh, basketball teams, lacrosse teams, and high school teams across the country. So we're excited to do that for you guys. Uh, stay up to date with us and everything we're doing over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now. 40 caps for $2,000 uh, with 10 of them for free, plus 10 free. They get 10 free ones as well. Check them out in our free show uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com/football. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull. Uh, and formations so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Nate Schielhaas. Coach Schielhaas is the wide receiver coach at Iowa State University in Ames, Iowa. Listen as we talk with Coach about developing young players, the red zone passing game, and Iowa State's great track record of developing big wide receivers and tight ends. You can follow Coach Schielhaas on Twitter at CoachNateISU. Hope you guys enjoy. You know, I, I grew up obviously uh, playing the game of football, and my dad actually was a, a college football player himself, played um, Division One football. So it was always kind of something that we were interested in. I guess you could say as a family, he was like my little league coach, even, and, and went to a awesome high school in Kansas City called Rockers High School. Was coached by a legendary coach, Tony Severino, 
who actually just retired this this past year and um, you know what was fortunate enough to just be around him on a daily basis and, and obviously grow as a football player but more than anything he taught me a ton about life and, and has been a huge influence in my life and a huge role model for me so um, again a great experience in, in high school and and was fortunate enough to have some opportunities to go and play at the next level decided to go to the University of Illinois um, you know, I was coming out of high school, my, my graduating class was 2009, and it was about a year or so after Illinois had gone to a Rose Bowl, Juice Williams was a quarterback, and, um, you know, I, I, I went to the University of Illinois and was, um, you know, my first year was Juice's senior year, so I redshirted my first year and um, got the chance to start the next four seasons. Now, it was an interesting time, you know, just at the university. I I dealt with some coaching changes, you know, both from the head coach standpoint, you know, started off with Ron Zook as, as the head coach that, um, that I played for my first three years and then played for uh, Tim Beckman those last two years and um, had, a, had a, a bunch of different offensive coordinators throughout that time and, and coaches that rolled through. So actually, after I got done playing, um, I actually got engaged and married right before my senior season. So, so it was kind of my, my wife and I figuring out what was going to be the next step in coaching was, was um, really not something that, that I was considering, not something that we were considering. And I actually went um, for a year and a half and was, uh, doing, was a high school pastor in a church in Louisville, Kentucky, um, about halfway through there kind of got the the itch I guess you could say um to to coach and um you know really thought that that would be at the high school level uh, again like even going back to to my experience of dealing with coach Severino in, in high school and it was like man I would love to be like that guy someday and um you know so I, I called a bunch of schools back in in Kansas City and was looking for opportunities to to get into a school and um you know there, there weren't really a lot of open doors and I got a call you know, in the spring from Illinois that, you know, they, they had an opportunity come open and, um, you know, ultimately hired me on that summer uh, in, a, in an interesting way. I got into things that summer and then two months later, actually, our, the, the head coach was fired a week before the season. Um, kind of a weird deal. Uh, but, but what happened was the offensive coordinator got promoted to be the head coach. That was that was Bill Cubitt at the time. And I played my senior year under bill and um you know it it opened up a spot for somebody to step on the field and start coaching so actually two months into it for me um i went from being you know in, a, in an off the field role dealing with alumni relations to coaching the running back so my first season oh, wow um coaching uh in, in college football was was actually being um in charge of a position group it was interesting you know the starting running back at the time was a guy that you know, I stood next to me in the backfield just just a couple years prior. So, um, coach that first year. Uh, after that season, uh, coach Coach Cubit was let go. Um, you know, and, and at kind of a weird time as well, like in in March actually. Um, you know, we were going through a, an athletic director. Um, what was a new athletic director was coming in, Josh Whitman, who was a alum of um, you know the University of Illinois, and he had brought in Lovey Smith. Uh, you know, right away and was fortunate enough to get to stay on staff in an off the field role. I was a quality control guy working with the offense for two seasons for, for coach Smith. And, um, you know, after those two seasons uh, is when I got a chance to 
uh, interview and ultimately get the job at Iowa State. And I, I came to Iowa State, which is which is where I'm at now, coaching the running backs initially and, and, and coached those guys for the first year and then moved uh, to the receivers after, after that. So this last season was uh, my first season getting to coach the receivers here. So, so been here for two years, going on year three, and, and again, coaching the receivers this year. Coach, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you and Coach Walls have probably already even talked about, you know, receiver play and different things that I'm sure we'll get into. But, but I'm always kind of curious, um, because of the position itself of, of running back and, and the guys that I've known at running back and, and uh, just there, it's almost, and it's, it's probably me dumbing it down because I'm an offensive line guy, but it's almost like it, it's those running backs, it, it almost seems like they have it or they don't. And, and some of that coaching has always been, you know, questionable to me from some of the running back coaches that I've seen. And But I'm sure there's great running back coaches and, and great things that those kids have to know. So talking to a dumb offensive line guy that only understands offensive line, what are what are some of the big things that, that you're coaching up a running back? Also probably thinking that you don't want to overcoach it because um, you want them to be able to play fast and play quick and play athletically. That's definitely right. And I think, you know, early on, I think one of the best pieces of advice I got from from some of the, the guys that have been coaching that position for a while is is exactly what you said. Find a good one and let them run. And and obviously there's more to it, but but I think there is some truth in that of, man, you, you can find some guys, I think even at the high school level, um, I think one of the things that, that can really help you is finding a guy, you know, even as you're recruiting them that that does stuff that's similar to what you're going to ask him to do, um, just depending on what you do from a scheme standpoint, um, whether you're a gap scheme team, whether you're an inside zone team, and, and being able to watch a guy's high school tape and see, man, is that natural for him? And, and man, not, not necessarily that a guy who's done something different, that, that you can't take a guy that's been in the wing tee and, you know, put him in an inside-outside zone um, schemed offense and, and have success, but it, it will take some time. So, and it's, and it's just harder to know whether they'll catch on to it. Um, so I do think that there's some truth in that. Obviously any running back coach would say, man, those guys got to be able to um, carry the football and hold on to the football, which is, which is really important. And um, that, I mean, you, you could never overemphasize that, especially coaching that position. Um, but I, but I do like you being an O-line coach and, and, like I always felt like this when I was coaching the running backs, the more that I could get those guys running behind the offensive line and feeling just what that feels like, you know, again, we were more of an inside zone, outside zone team. So just feeling what it feels like to press a double team and, you know, help um, that double team get up on a linebacker. And, and again, the, the different ways that you can walk through that and rep that and just allow those guys to feel that I think is the biggest thing you can work. Of course, you know, working um, footwork drills, really important. Working pass protection, obviously, is going to be really important for those guys. But um, my, my goal was always to get those guys behind an offensive line as much. Anytime those guys were doing, you know, some kind of uh, scheme work, some kind of, you know, even a half-line drill, uh, half-line working outside zone, I felt like that was a whole lot better than having them jump over bags and around cones and, you know, that, that whole side of things. So. No, I, I, I'm completely with you, coach. That's what kind of what I was curious about, you know, because when you get a good tailback on inside zone, I mean, they make that, that offensive lines job so much easier. I mean, when, when they'll really bring that linebacker to the double team and you can stay on it longer and you can trust that he's going to, 
uh, you know, bring them to us and then make the right cut off of it. As long as we do our job, uh, it, it's, it makes everyone's, you know, it makes the place so much better, not just a guy that can get out and run and, and break tackles, but a guy that can do that, set it all up. That's kind of where I was curious, you know, is, is that a big, was that a big drill thing for you? Or is that something that, you know, like we teach our pulling guards to me, it's better just to see the play a bunch, uh, you know, at a, a live type session. And it sounds like, you know, from what you'd said, that that's what you tried to do a bunch of is let them see an offensive line in front of them and, and kind of roll through that play. I totally agree. And, you know, even the, the first year that I came here at Iowa State, you know, we were we were emphasizing outside zone more than what we had done in the past and, and really had studied. Um, we had studied App State at the time, which, you know, Scott Satterfield and obviously now at Louisville is a big outside zone team. Anybody, you know, studying college football and run schemes has probably looked at Coach Sat stuff and what they'd done. And um, th that's what they did a ton of was, man, they were working half line drills and allowing the running back to see um, what that outside zone would look like, what the um, offensive line was going to do in front of them. Um, you know, what those, again, what those combinations would actually look like, what it would feel like with a fullback in front of them. And again, the more that you can do that, I, I think it's, it's for the better. And, and obviously like, I think the other side that um, is, is, is a big deal to me is like to create community amongst the offensive line and the running backs like that, at the end of the day, like you want those guys to really enjoy, honestly, being around each other and um, ju just like having those guys connected closely, even if that's, man, you're doing more with them and you get 15 minutes of individual and half of that, the running backs are with the O-line. Um, you're, you're doing meetings and man, you're, it's third down day and you're going over the, the different blitz packages the defensive has and, and you spend 10 minutes in the O-line room as, as, the running backs, I think those things are all um, benefits that, that ultimately will pay off in, you know, those guys as a community. Coach, did you guys run outside zone out of, out of pistol and offset? We did. We did. We feel like, um, and again, studying it, studying what Sat and those guys do at Louisville now that they did at App State, they were uh, predominantly pistol. And, and we felt like, Man, to, to run that out of uh, the gun, you, you can do it. Um, but I think it makes it a lot harder on the running back to see things. I think it makes it, um, you know, even, even just those reads, it, it doesn't seem like it times up as well. Uh, not, not, we did it a little bit. We had more success when we were out of the pistol. And I think those guys would probably say the same thing, that, um, you know, that, that outside zone play. Uh, it's 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 hard to have a running back run totally lateral, um, be able to put a foot in the ground and and get there consistently. Again, you can do it. You can have some success with it. I think uh, we felt better about it in the pistol. Okay, that that's where I've always been too. But I, I was just curious. Hopefully, maybe you know, hoping you could give me a, a tip or a, a something when when because the coordinator always wants to run it out of offset, obviously, because they want to do oh, it no. out of everything. Uh, but but. To me, it was always harder. So, didn't know if you had a tip for the running backs or had a good uh, way of thinking about it or if you were kind of on that same page that it is a little more difficult for those guys. Yeah, it was more difficult. We would tighten up our alignment um, just a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, it's a big deal just as far as the ball handling of the quarterback to be able to, you know, step off of um, the running back's path. You know, I think those things are all helpful. Um, but, but at the end of the day, you're going to be better off in the pistol. Um, you know, you, you feel like 
you want to be in the pistol, you want a good snap from the center to, just to get the play started. Like even little things like that can can become an issue when you're running outside zone. Uh, again, whether that's from the gun, from the pistol, um, you know, but, but we felt like, man, those guys just even looking at our stuff, we were asking them probably to do things in the gun that, that isn't realistic as far as, man, seeing reads and seeing what the linebackers are doing. Um, it, it probably wasn't as realistic as what we were asking. Coach, man, you know, one of the things I've been most impressed with Iowa State and obviously coaching here now for four years, we've gotten to know you guys pretty well uh, and get up there a lot. But you guys, you guys play a lot of young players, you know, and you guys have had, you know, all kinds of young, productive running backs. I mean, we can start with, with running backs. And I mean, you know, Purdy played as a, as a freshman, as a quarterback, and you've had young receivers play. You know, what do you kind of attribute that to? Obviously. You guys are doing a great job, you know, evaluating, you know, kids. But you see programs all over the country that are bringing in four- and five-star talent and it's having to sit on the bench. You know, how do you find these guys? And then not only that, you know, you're able to take young guys and make them big-time contributors as, you know, either true freshmen or redshirt freshmen. Yeah, I think that evaluation piece is obviously really important to get um, not not only just, man, talented guys that you feel like can have success, but – uh, the guys that you feel like are going to work hard and be um, the type of guys within your program that can grow and that can learn and that can like continue to move forward as players. I think those are even the guys that you're talking about. Those are what those guys are like. And then the part that was new for me, even when I came to Iowa State that I hadn't seen before is what we do from a developmental standpoint. Uh, Coach Campbell and the rest of the staff have have always you know from my understanding even back to the Toledo days have always had a, a big emphasis on developing young guys and giving those guys different opportunities and different platforms to develop um you know even in in season like I think about what we do is you know on on Sundays when we're having our day after the game practice and our older guys are just kind of moving around a little bit walking through some corrections um, our, our young guys end up practicing that day and end up having, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of individual with their coach where you got a really small group and you're able to work on some of the details. They're able to go through a, a seven on seven and a team session um, to allow them to grow on Tuesdays when we get back together and practice. Those guys get together and have a short individual um, as well as a seven on seven afterwards. And then on Wednesday, uh, throughout the season, we we have a scrimmage, and you know that that scrimmage is a big deal for our guys. It's a big deal for us as coaches. It's something that we sit down the next day and watch with our players, and and it allows us to obviously evaluate them and see where they're going, but but coach them up and 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 make them understand that what they're doing is really important. That man, they might be a guy that hasn't played in the first four games for us, but you know we're coaching them the same way we're coaching the guy going out there to to start this next game, um, you know, in that same week. So uh, you, you talk about some of those guys and, you know, you got Brock Purdy who two years ago came in and um, had an incredible freshman season. Well, Brock, Brock didn't play until that fifth game of the season. And it was one of those things that we saw him working and, and he did really well in fall camp. But as that season went on and as those first few weeks of this developmental, these developmental practices went on, this was a guy that was forcing us to to play him, that he was doing things on that field. And, and even just the mentality that he was taking to it, um, you, you felt comfortable that this guy was going to be able to go and prepare 
to be a starting quarterback in the Big 12. So um, a guy like Brees Hall, um, who was the ended up being the starting running back for us last year. Again, you look at the first three, four, five games of the season, you know, Brees didn't get a lot of touches, uh, and, and he wasn't ready to get a lot of touches. He had some growing uh, that he needed to do. He needed to learn how to practice, and, and where he got that, where he realized that was – um, on, at those developmental practices. Again, your, your biggest fear would be, man, we knew Brees was really talented. We knew Brock was really talented. And you throw him out there in that first, second game of the year. And, man, they have a really, really rough day that sets them back uh, longer than you'd want. So, so, again, we always felt like those practices would allow us to see when guys are ready. You know, we had a receiver last year that was a, a guy that had redshirted the year before and – had had come along and practice and probably didn't practice as well as he wanted to the first couple of weeks of the season, but uh, was in these developmental practices and, and, and doing really well. And shoot, he ends up by the end of the season, catching five touchdowns for us, being really, really effective, um, being a guy that we felt like was a, a go-to target in the red zone. And again, he didn't play the first few games. So, and coach Campbell always says it, you know, he would rather play guys later um, than, than play them too early. And it, it's truly what he believes. But there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that's going on for us to be able to evaluate and see when those guys are ready. And, um, again, it, it allows those guys to grow in the same way where, man, they might not be ready at the end of fall camp, but we don't give up on them or we don't feel like, man, they're, you know, hey, this is the redshirt year and we'll, we'll think about them again when we get to uh, spring ball. We, we continue to evaluate those guys and, and allow them to, uh, to grow as players. I love that aspect about you guys. And, and that's, to me, you know, super, super information. I think that's a lot of stuff we could do with, with our young guys too. And, and I would imagine a lot of that's the same too when you talk about – the other thing that stands out to me is every time I go out to practice, you guys are huge – at wide receiver I mean your, your size you guys got all kinds of big guys and you guys got all kinds of big long dudes that, that play tight end now I go to all kinds of college camps and, and college practices across the country and a lot of them have big guys but there's a lot of big guys that can't play you know everyone's like oh he's got the million dollar body he's got sure. this he's got that but maybe he doesn't have ball skills he can't get off press all your guys are developed polished guys that I feel like, you know, can go make plays and, and you guys find ways to let them make plays. Is that also kind of a product of, you know, your guys' developmental track? Because, I mean, you look at guys like Butler, Lazard, you know, uh, Kolar, the guy you got now at tight end. Petway was a huge kid. I mean, you guys have all kinds of big body dudes, which a lot of programs struggle with developing that guy. Even there's NFL teams that struggle. You know, they'll draft the guy that's big and uh, he can't move like he needs to move you guys have found ways to, to really make those guys great contributors. That's exactly right. And I, I feel like it is true with big guys. I mean, you, you hit on it. Those guys do take longer at times to develop. You know, you'll watch a high school highlight of a guy who is um, 5'10", 5'11", and he might put the ball in the end zone, you know, 15 times to open up his highlight. And, you know, you might watch a big guy who, who's 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", and – man, you feel like he's, he's making plays. And he, so, so there is, again, there is some of that evaluation piece and, and knowing, I guess, what, man, what attributes does this guy need to have in high school that will show, man, he can grow into being an even more athletic guy or having even more coordination. You know, it's funny, you, you talk about Akeem Butler and I wasn't here 
when, you know, this, this staff, when Coach Campbell got here, but there's some video clips of Akeem running around their very first spring. And if somebody would have told you this guy's going to be an All-American, All-Conference receiver, <laughs> you know, his, his redshirt junior year, you'd have called him crazy. But um, you do feel like those guys need, you know, just more reps with their body moving and their feet in the ground and judging a ball in the air just – for whatever reason, um, some, of the, some of those guys just may not be as used to moving in space. And so providing them with opportunities, um, you know, to grow, obviously, in, in team session and seven on. But again, just that individual footwork when it comes to, you know, a receiver at the top of the route. And yeah, they, they got some longer limbs and those limbs are moving a little bit different than the, than the six foot guy. Um, but if they can get on their technique, you do, you feel like those guys, those guys that are 6'3", 6'4", um, plus uh, can really grow and, and be dangerous more than just, man, we can throw a jump ball to this guy, but but this guy can do a lot of really, um, you know, incredible stuff just movement-wise that make it really, really hard on a DB to, to try to cover somebody like that on, on more than just a fade ball. Yeah, I love how you guys use, too, you know, a guy like like a Kolar, you know, Chase Allen, I'm sure you use him a little bit. I mean, dude, Chase Allen to me looks like he's a freaking NFL tackle. I mean, that guy's just huge. But uh, you guys find so many cool ways to to do things. And I know we'd come up and, and watched a, a bowl practice right before you guys went down to, to Florida. And, and you guys were working on a lot of, you know, cool red zone stuff, kind of plus 10, plus 5. You know, can you talk about a few things that you guys kind of do? Because, I mean, I thought you guys did an awesome job of really, you know, breaking it down with the QBs, breaking it down. And, and it wasn't every single receiver. It was kind of like your your top three, four, five guys that you really wanted to hone in on, you know, maybe areas you want to attack or different routes that you guys like, especially to get down to that plus five, plus ten area. You know, I know a lot of teams out there, it's it's a problem for them to just line up and, and smash the ball through these goal line defenses. But you guys, I think, do a cool – a lot of cool stuff, you know, in that area. What are some of the things you guys kind of look for and, and where you want to attack and maybe some plays you guys use in that, uh, you know, low red area? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. We, we definitely have – we're fortunate to have some of those guys down there that, you know, we, we feel like we like to use our bigger targets down there in that red zone area. Um, you mentioned a guy like Charlie Kolar, who, who was a tight end for us last year, and Chase Allen, who, again, was a tight end. Those guys were um, – you know, really special in the red zone. And, and obviously from a route running standpoint, um, but from a play action, you know, dump standpoint, those guys were were big targets for a quarterback that we felt like we felt like we could utilize. And, and the same thing that we would use our our big receivers down there. You know, they're, they're you know, probably for us, um, when we got down in the red zone, I would say probably any anytime we were inside the 20, um, you know, we, we, I think everybody on the field was probably six foot four plus, um, you know, and that's no offense to the smaller guys, but it gets tighter down there and there's more bodies and you feel like it's, it's better targets for the quarterback. You know, the other thing we, and, and, you know, if I was talking about, man, what did you have a player? Did you have a scheme? We had a lot of different stuff that, that we would like week to week. Now, the one thing that I think helped us a lot is, you know, even even if you if you looked at some of our touchdowns later in the season, like I'm thinking of one uh, uh, against Kansas that we scored on. We were we were in a tight game against Kansas, and um, you know, really needed a touchdown. We're up by I think less than a score, maybe maybe a, a field goal or something. And and we we were on a third and four on the right hash inside the ten yard line, and we called a, a play action play, and the quarterback um, was on 
on the move to his right and, and hit a receiver coming across. Well, that play for us, again, was a play that we had in against Kansas. But the truth, like truth be told, that play had been in probably the last five weeks. So there was a lot of reps with, and, and you said it, like you've seen our practice of, man, it's that same guy. We wanted that guy running the over route and the quarterback to feel like he knew exactly where he was at. You know, um, I think of another one where you mentioned LaMichael Petway, who was a big outside receiver uh, for us this, this past season. Well, he ran a goal, he ran a goal line comeback probably eight times, um, you know, eight weeks in a row where he might've repped it twice a week in practice. So by the time we called that late in the season, we felt like, man, this guy's really confident in this route. This quarterback's really confident in throwing this guy the ball. And, and, and the honest truth is, if for some reason somebody would say, you know, hey, man, how, how do you do that? And you got to practice with this guy and you got to practice with his backup, um, which, which we would feel like we've got players that we're trying to go to down there. If for some reason we got down there and LaMichael um, Petway had a calf cramp or, you know, he wasn't in the game, we, we probably would not just we would probably would not call that play. We would call another play uh, to another guy that was available more so than, man, I've got to rep three different receivers at this one play over and over again we felt like man we could get those guys really comfortable and again practice it because everyone knows man you got a red zone plan and um all of a sudden you play in the, in, in that game that week and shoot you score 40 points but all those came from outside the 20 and, and guys were running the ball in the end zone from from a ways away so man I, I would hope that everybody would think man how can I use that and we just banked a bunch of reps of that and and you're able to use them, um, you know, again, that next week. That that ended up being really, really helpful uh, for us throughout the season. Is there areas kind of in the end zone, you know, when, when you're talking about that low area where you guys are trying to attack? I know you talk about Petway, you know, with the comeback, that kind of be front pylon. You know, you're working a fade or a corner to the back pylon, and then, you know, you have some over routes and things along that back line. Is that always kind of like the, the things you guys would always attack? Hey, we got plays for the back line. We got plays for these pylons. And we got, you know, maybe a post-up play where, where one of our big guys kind of hits right in front. Is that something you guys kind of talk about week in and week out? That's exactly right. We, we do. We, and we didn't throw. Um, we threw one. We didn't uh, complete it. We actually threw it against Notre Dame, a, a goal line fade. And we, we probably didn't do it or emphasize it as much this year. We felt like Akeem Butler the year before was a really, really good you know, goal line fade runner and obviously bigger than, than most guys. Um, so, and we felt like, um, you know, LaMichael Petway was, he was good at catching the fade, but he was really good at running this comeback in the, in the um, red zone area. So, you know, just based on who we had, uh, obviously the areas that we would attack that back line, you mentioned it, man, whether you're sitting guys down on the front line and running guys into the back line, um, we felt like that was good. We felt like even attacking just based on what defenses you're seeing, whether you're seeing, a, you know, kind of that picket fence of, of teams playing zone all the way across. And that would be a time when you want to sit people on that front line and, and run people, you know, in the back of the end zone, whether you feel like you still got a team that plays a, a, a one high safety deal and you're more so attacking the seams, um, you know, and, and trying to keep the ball away from the middle of the field where that safety's hanging out at. Again, just just based on like what we're seeing, um, but but again, with that emphasis on being, man, we are going to utilize you know our our big guys in there, and 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 obviously having the mentality and and the ability to to run the ball because you feel like you're going to have to 
I mean, you're going to have to run the ball and you're going to have to play action and hope that you get guys sucked up and, and are able to throw, you know, high balls over the top of them. I think that's obviously really, really important. So whether or not you're going to, you know, hold guys down with, with short routes that, that hold defenders down or you're going to um, suck them down with a play action um, or an RPO, um, that, that was really our mentality throughout the year. I'll have to get with you on some of that stuff. We'll, we'll draw that up later, Coach. That's cool. <laughs> it sounds like a deal. <laughs> well, Coach, I'm going to dumb it down a little bit for you um, because I'm uh, – not for you, for me. Uh, your, your questions are, are going to be a little dumbed down from, from how high walls were because uh, just an offensive line guy. Uh, but, but my question uh, is, uh, having no background in it with receivers, uh, to me uh, – it was always about you know, obviously creating space and catching the ball. Um, and so kind of got two questions with those, but with catching the football, right, probably the most important part, if a guy can't catch, then not helping anyone out. Uh, is that something that, that you guys work on? Is that something that can be taught? Is that something that, that you've got a technique to catch the ball? Or is that something that guys have? Is it, is it a thing where they just got to get a million reps to be good at catching the ball? How has that worked out with you and your receivers on, on just the simple catching of a football? Yeah, there's two things I think of when, when you're talking about catching the football. Um, number one would be their eyes, you know, that, that they are disciplined with their eyes, that they are looking the football all the way into their hands. I think uh, when, you, when you talk about drops and you talk about, um, you know, just, just not being able to catch a ball, not being able to make the plays, whether that's short, whether that's long, it it's usually has to do with eye discipline and as far as like what we've seen. So emphasizing to those guys that, man, your, your eyes have to, like your eyes have to be on the ball, that every time you're catching the ball, you shouldn't be in pregame warmups even and just, man, the ball is thrown to your hip and you've got your eyes up in the air and you're just comfortable so you naturally, like, no, you're, you train yourself where your eyes are always going to that ball. Uh, that, that's a thing that we would probably emphasize the most when it comes to catching the ball. And then, and then I would say confidence that, you know, and, and again, I, I know you can't necessarily, man, how do you measure that, coach that, teach that. Um, I'd like, fortunately, me playing quarterback in, in college, you know, allows me to fire as many balls as possible at those guys and, and just get them used to catching the ball that, Man, by the end of the week, each week, my hope is that they've caught more balls um, than anybody else, you know, in the country. And that, you know, I've thrown them more balls than, than anybody else. And they've, they just have gained that confidence. And I'm not necessarily a, a huge believer on even, um, you know, really bad balls or really, you know, difficult catches. And, and, and again, um, I feel like I'm still a little bit fortunate that I feel like I have some control on my accuracy. I'm not still not the most accurate guy that I'd like to be, <laughs> but um, I, I still feel like I can get them confident throughout practice um, in the week to, to be able to um, feel like, man, they've, they, they're going out to the game and they've, they've caught a ton of balls and man, they, they've seen the ball going into their hands and them tucking it away over and over and over again. But um, yeah, I, I'm, like I try to fire as many balls at those guys, um, train their eyes and, and get them as confident as possible. So by the time that they're walking out there, they're ready to go. Again, receivers are, it's, they're a different breed. And you, you got guys that are, are obviously, 
you know, really, really talented athletically. But without that confidence, just like you said, they're not able to catch the ball, then, then it makes it really hard. Um, but if you can get those guys really, really confident, you watch all these guys' high school tapes, and it's like, man, they're making all these crazy plays and jumping over people. And I think sometimes the biggest change is that, man, that they thought in high school they were the man and they were going to catch everything. And then all of a sudden they get to college or they get to the next level and, you know, they, they start overthinking things or wondering how, if they'll make the play and um, they, they lose that confidence. Okay, so, so the other big thing that I always see is, at least when I was playing football, uh, there was a bunch of guys catching tennis balls out of a jugs machine. Uh, is there any benefit to the catching of tennis balls or is it better just to, co to catch footballs? And then the other thing I've seen recently is uh, guys getting really, really close to the jugs machine and, and catching the football like right as soon as it comes out of the jugs machine. Are, are those things that you would, I mean, would you tell kids do those things? Would you tell them just go catch a football? Um, do you have any thoughts on, on those two things? Great questions. I think um, on the tennis ball front, we don't necessarily do a whole bunch of it. But if I walked out um, and saw one of my receivers throwing a tennis ball back and forth, I wouldn't be mad as long as their eyes were going to that tennis ball. I think it, it still can train your eyes and it still can help you uh, when it when it comes to that. So I think that is a positive. You know, I've seen the same thing as far as like walking up on a jugs machine. Um, I think the jugs machine is good. The jugs machine can be good for me sometimes because my arm gets tired. Um, so it's a good relief for me. And, and yeah, if, if, if a guy is walking up on it, do I think it, it's, it's not something that's going to hurt them, in my opinion? Uh, is it going to totally make the difference in, in them going from a receiver that can't catch to one that can? Um, no, but hopefully if they get really good at that, they feel like, man, that jugs machine was firing 40 miles. 40 mile per hour balls at me and I was catching them one foot away and I'm more confident. Now, if they're more confident walking away from that drill, then I would feel like it's a benefit. So I, I still feel, feel like it, it goes to the same two points of man, eyes and confidence and whatever ways that, that you can continue to train that and, and build that up. Those are going to be positive things for receivers. Awesome. That, that makes, you know, complete sense to me. Um, so, so then kind of my last, you know, probably dumb question for you. Um, is we had we've had a, an NFL scout come on and and talk about the thing I, I'd never even thought of, but you know, talking about being a receiver, it's important to you know create space, uh, which is pretty obvious. But then uh, you know he went on to say that that they would grade that different ways because you know you've got different receivers with different attributes that create space in different ways. You're gonna have your fast guys that create space, you know, off of pure speed and and some route runners that create it that way and, and some big guys that, you know, created a, a completely different way. Is that something that, that you are individualizing, um, if that's a word, uh, with your receivers, you know, depending on, on what they are best at to get, create separation, create space? Um, do you bring them all in and, and kind of broadly teach them all the same thing? Or are you very individualized at first or at the end or not at all? How does that kind of work for you? Uh, with your guys? Another really good question. I think that that separation piece, you know, what, what that NFL scout was talking about is, is really important because ultimately uh, a quarterback and, and even more so in college, the, the more open a receiver is, the more comfortable that those guys are going to feel throwing the ball to them. So, so I think that that is important. Now for us, we, we are going to require our receivers to um, run all types of different routes, whether that's vertically going down the field, 
um, running go routes, post routes, corner routes. Uh, we're we're going to ask them all to do that. You know, there's not just, man, we ask our slot receivers to do that and, and not our outside receivers. All those guys will have to separate vertically. So um, in essence, we're going to have to train them to be able to have skills to do that. Um, all of our guys are going to be able to have to um, make breaks at, you know, whether that's a, a curl route or an in route where they're um, making edge cuts and, and, and coming back to the football. Um, we're going to have our guys, uh, again, separate running shallow routes where they're running away from the defense. All, all types of different ways of separation that we're going to have to train. Now, we as coaches obviously know, man, we, we like this guy a whole lot better separating vertically than we like, you know, another guy. And, and, and we feel like, man, this guy, he gets in and out of his, his, his cuts really, really well. And we're going to feel really good throwing him a comeback, you know, maybe versus another guy. But you know, for us, again, we're not a, you know, just, just the way that our, our offense, you know, lays itself out. We ask all of our receivers to um, run specific routes. We ask them all to run down the field, to run short, to run across the middle. So, so I, I don't necessarily feel like, man, we, we can take, we like a guy um, that can only separate in that way. And we're going to, we're going to feel confident in him only separating that way. We got to feel like, man, we can train those guys um, and, and allow them to grow in the ways that, yeah, maybe they're really good at, at, at separating this way. They can um, beat a guy down the field and run. But, man, at the top of their routes, they, they really struggle getting to that catch point. Um, we're, we're obviously going to, like, emphasize um, the training of that. I think even just the verbiage of that is, is really important, too. Like, as you say, that, that separation – that separation is really important. The, the thing that we probably emphasize, um, you know, even, even more so is, is that catch point is what we kind of call it, that mm -hmm. we always have the mentality that, man, there's going to be a break point and a catch point. And that, that it's, a, it's a competition and a race every time to who will win at that catch point on those routes. Now, again, that catch point on a vertical route is 40 yards over your alignment, you know, down the field. And, and the way to get to that, catch point and when to that catch point is obviously a lot different than running a 12 yard curl but you know just again understand it man I'm good at the top of my route and I get out of my curl cut you, like the emphasis has to be when to that catch point and um, I think if you again that verbiage has really helped us of, of man making those guys understand um, you know that, that not only separating and getting space is key but like Man, the route isn't over just because I, I made the guy fall down. Like, I, I got a win to a catch point. Officially stolen, just so you know, Coach. Take it. Uh, that, um, <laughs> that term for me, it was stolen. Again, for me, I, I've been fortunate to, like, study some really good receiver coaches. Uh, I think one of the best out there that, that had ever done it was, was Daryl Hazel. And if you, I think you could probably still watch some YouTube stuff on him. Um, you know, but but that was a big point of em emphasis for him. And again, for me with receivers, like I've always felt like because and it's probably because I played quarterback, but us being on the same page as a quarterback is still the most important thing that we can do. Again, uh, if we've got a cool route that ends up on some, you know, YouTube video, that that's one thing. But the the only thing that we're trying to do is be where the quarterback expects us to be. You know, if we run the best route in the world, but we're not where the quarterback expects us to be. Well, that doesn't really matter. And, and again, I know that might come from, you know, a background from playing quarterback, but 
um, for us to be on the same page as them. And, and again, they're thinking about you catching the ball. Like I'm putting the ball there and you better be there and catch it. So uh, us to be on that same page, I think is really, really helpful. Huge point. Um, and honestly, it leads me into kind of the, the next question I was going to have for you. You know, you, you talk about getting to the catch point, being on the same page, the quarterback puts it on a, you know, on the spot where he's expecting you to be, you know, generally in division one football. And obviously you go to the NFL, the windows are even smaller. There's going to be a, cont a, a contested catch. And, and a lot of times, I think you, like you, you'd mentioned, you know, a lot of these receivers come in, they're, they're roasting DBs or they're, they're mossing DBs and, and maybe they're not as used to making those contested catches. You know, what are some things you're doing maybe to practice that? Or is again, that just kind of a confidence deal and building up that trust with the QB to, to, you know, let put the ball in a spot where he knows you will go get it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, it is a confidence deal, but it is something that I think you can drill. You know, a lot of times when I'm talking about throwing the ball to these guys, it is using some kind of distraction, some kind of, whether they're partnered up, whether I've got a, a manager or somebody that, that, you know, is running with them and, and just distracting them and just, just getting used to playing next to people and just getting used to, man, it's all right for my body to be on somebody. Um, I, I think is, is really, really important that, that you get those guys comfortable. Um, you know, again, making catches with, with things around you, with defenders around you, with the threat of somebody potentially hitting you with, man, I, I feel like my arm is tied up and I still have to make a play. Um, yeah, I think the more that you can get those guys used to it, because again, yeah, the hope is that you're running wide open up a seam and, and nobody touches you and you run into the end zone. But um, all of us know, you know, in, in, in those big time moments, it, it never seems to be that way. It, it seems like you got somebody on your back or you got, man, they're not going to end up making the call. So you got to make the play and, and find a way to come down with it. And hopefully you feel like, man, you've been put in those positions enough times um, that you're confident that, man, I, I don't think it's so much more difficult to catch the ball with somebody on my back as it is just to catch a ball in space because I've done it so many times. So I, I think you're, you're exactly right, um, you know, even in emphasizing that. My other question then too, Coach, is, uh, and, and I, I don't know if I always say struggle with it, but I'm always looking to, to get better at it. But, you know, when you coach guys on, on option routes uh, or, or maybe it, it's a adjustment routes and conversions and things like that, you know, what are some ways that you're teaching that? Is that kind of the thing where, you know, you have to start maybe in the meeting room and show them these are the looks where, you know, we want to be able to convert. These are the, the looks here when, when a guy's playing this kind of leverage. Here's how we want to run this option route. You kind of start there. And then when you guys get on the field, you know, how do you build that, that chemistry with, you know, the quarterback? Is he waiting to see when you turn? You know, how, can you walk me through maybe a little bit if you guys do run a, a couple of option routes in your, your offense? how maybe you kind of coach through that? That's a, that's a really good question. And it's one that can, um, you know, it can really hurt you as a coach in, in, in my opinion. Um, so, so number one, I would say don't have too many option routes, you know, ha have a, man, this is what we like, like we feel really good. And then more than anything, yeah. Showing them the film is, is really good. Um, you, you've got to do that, but you've got, if you've got an option route, You've got to rep it so many times with quarterbacks and receivers that, that they do. They feel confident being on the same page, and they feel like they're seeing the same things. And 
when they're not seeing the same things, they can get with each other and talk. Like, it's got to be one of those deals that, man, in fall camp, if you feel like, man, we, we like an option round, whether that's, again, whether that's an outside receiver deciding whether I'm stopping or going um, on a vertical play, whether that's an inside receiver breaking in or breaking out um, based off of coverage and leverage, whatever that may be, um, you've got to say, all right, I'm building in. If, if I'm giving somebody the option, I'm building in X amount of reps so those guys can, can totally feel comfortable. Um, but even, you know, even in week for us, we would say, man, if we've got a, a true option route and that quarterback doesn't see um, the receiver and the multiple looks that we feel like we can get, whether it's three or four looks, and he doesn't see, you know, all those reps throughout a week, then, then we're asking for trouble when we get to game day. And, and, and again, some of that stuff is, man, I know a lot of teams out there are, man, they're, they're giving receivers on the outside the option route of stopping and going, well, you've got to, that, there's less to that because you're, you're usually dealing with one defender of, man, is this mm-hmm. corner in a position where I can stop and get a catch? Is this corner squatting on me where I need to run by him? You can rep that a ton in the fall. So, by the time you get to the season, you feel like you've banked a ton of them. Um, but if you're talking about, man, it's different looks again. Hey, we're playing this team and they do this. And, and again, you can draw it up on the board and say, oh, man, we just called, you know, Y option. And he, he's going to beat every coverage that they've got. Well, I, I think you're going to be asking for trouble, um, you know, j- just if you, don't, if you don't have enough time to really go through the nuts and bolts of that and allow them because – Again, we can all see it from film. We can all watch it and say, oh, man, that's easy. Uh, but, but, you know, for, for high school coaches, they're dealing with 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds, and, and we're dealing with this next age that, um, you know, most times when you're calling an option, you feel like you're dealing with a 15-year-old. So you you got to be able to wrap it as much as, as you possibly can if, if that's a decision that you're going to make as a coach. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, especially for me as a, as a younger coach, I, I coached a lot of it, but I, I think the biggest mistake I always made was I, I felt like I made that maybe, you know, the primary in a progression. So like now when the quarterback's looking at it, you know, it just draws more attention. I think that that's where we'd run into other problems. You know, now the guy gets bracketed or another guy works underneath it. So had a little bit more success, I think, putting it on the backside, but I think it makes a ton of sense. I mean, if you're not going to rep the heck out of it, why the why the heck are you even putting it in? And then probably got to be another thing like you're talking about with your guy, you know, Petway running, running it with just one guy. That's so, right. the court, so the quarterback's just really, really comfortable with that guy. You know, the Saints are throwing it to Thomas or, you know, the, the one dude's – the one dude that's catching it is the more and more I research it, it just seems like, yeah, it's between kind of one guy and another guy. That That's exactly right. Like we, we got an option played um, for a slot receiver that – Again, we would know, man, there, there's two guys that we would ever call this and, and we would ever feel comfortable running this. And, and besides that, man, nobody else is really running that. And if both those two guys are out for this week, then I can promise you that play wouldn't be in. You know, we want to try to say, okay, let's see if we can get, you know, such and such to run an option route this week. I think that's, again, it's, it's, asking, um, it's asking for trouble. Coach, man, I know you travel all over the country and, and you recruit a lot of different areas and you get to see a lot of different receivers. Um, you know, what is kind of your, your MO as you're going through, you know, the evaluation checklist? And obviously, you know, the, the further down the road you get with kids and you know them a little bit better, it changes a little bit. But what are some of those first things you're looking for in, in a guy that's going to be in your room, you know, coming next season? 
I think it, it probably starts with mentality for me of, of finding a competitive guy that is really, really passionate about football. And, you know, I think that's, that's more than anything. That's what I feel like we've had success here at, at Iowa State. I think what has been cool here is Coach Campbell has created a culture um, that is a, is a special culture, but it's, it's really clear, uh, especially in our buildings of, of who fits and who doesn't. So I think, and that's probably for, if you ask any of our coaches, uh, they would probably list something similar to that first and foremost of, of finding the right type of guy for us. And for, for me, I feel like, man, that's a competitive guy who's really, really passionate because those are going to be the guys that, in, in all honesty, um, you're going to feel confident and trust going out there on game. They're going to be the guys that you, you know, you love coaching. They're going to be the guys that when you're dealing with the coronavirus are answering the phone and, and taking care of business and, and you feel confident in. Um, when they're back home. So I think that's that's the first piece. Uh, we do, obviously, just like you said, we do look at size. That That's probably, um, you know, we, we've got different receivers and, and not all of them are big guys, but uh, that that's one of the first things that I think we all look at uh, when it comes to um, guys, especially our outside receivers, that we're, we're looking at size and, you know, just, just the ability to say like, man, we, we feel like this guy, uh, is a guy that makes things difficult on defensive backs. And, um, you know, even being like we, we play in a conference in the in the Big 12 that in, in all honesty, um, us being, um, you know, Iowa State and playing against, you know, the, the TCUs and Baylors and Texases. And, um, you know, you go down there and, and, and the state that they're obviously in and they're recruiting and there's a bunch of, you know, 5'10", 5'11", six-foot fast guys that are that – are, everywhere that are track runners and you know world have world-class speed and so we do we try to be a little bit different in in how we use those guys out at receiver and so that's probably why you know that's one of the first thing first things that um that we look at you know you mentioned it earlier like that separation again it, it fits in with size a little bit if it's not a size guy man he has to have some ability to separate that that allows him to be um, to be different. I, I think, um, obviously, we would talk about catching the ball within that. And, and sometimes, again, a highlight film is never going to tell you whether the guy can catch a ball or not. You, you can get a good feel of, man, does he feel like he's using his body every time to catch a ball or, or, or is he catching it with his hands? What's his, what's his confident look, confidence look like? You feel like you get a lot better picture if you ever get a live eval, whether that's in a camp, whether that's in a spring practice um, or a, or a you know, after school workout, you, you feel like you get a lot better feel. But honestly, if you can catch the ball, you can have a role. And, um, you know, even, you know, de depending on what other deficiencies you have, again, the trust to be able to catch the ball, uh, you guys said it earlier, is, is really, it will always be really important at that position. So that's what, that's what would stick out. Um, but again, the, the positive with, you know, our ability, even with technology and, and huddle and those things is you get to compare and contrast guys, you get to see, what different guys do. Um, you get to be on the phone and get to know them and get to know their personalities. And I think all those things are, are evaluation pieces that, that allow us to see whether a guy fits or not. Coach, coach kind of, you know, pivoting just a little bit, but, but I was watching uh, um, Peyton Manning, uh, a YouTube video with him in it. Uh, and he mentioned something that I had never thought about. Uh, and he said that, and I'm kind of curious since you were a quarterback, he said that when he's in practice, you know, the, the, the guys that seem to get open in practice just happen to be the guys that he, that he ends up looking for uh, in the game. 
Is that something that you think that was is like a a true statement, something that he was literally meaning, or is that like a a you know a coaching thing that he was trying to tell guys? Uh, did you ever notice yourself doing that? Is that something you talk about with your receivers in practice? Well, you might have to send me that clip because I I totally believe in it, and and here's the reason why: is I always felt like again as a quarterback you're going to build confidence in, in different ways, whether that's in fall camp or, or practice throughout the week. But, you know, the, the guys that like each time a quarterback throws the ball out there, he like his intent is to complete it. So the, the guys that end up having his back one way or another, whether that's getting open in practice, whether that's, you know, going hard and showing the quarterback, man, this is what it feels like when I run a post route. Like I, I'm not just jogging that post route or I'm not just, you know, kind of like, this is what it feels like. And I'm going to be, you know, you might be 10 yards away from a DB in practice, might be a scout team guy that you can, but again, it builds that quarterback's confidence that, you know, by the time he gets to the game, it's like, man, there's no doubt I'm going to throw a post up to this guy because I've seen him run under it um, time and time again. So I did like, I think that's a, a huge, huge piece. I, like my biggest frustration always is if our guys aren't going full tilt within a practice and again, letting that quarterback feel their speed and, and letting the timing happen, happen of, you know, whatever route we're trying to execute. You know, I, I tell those guys, man, if it's a, you, you got to understand the quarterback has a rhythm in his head and, and he has, you know, footwork that he's working on where he's taking a three-step drop and a hitch and he's expecting you to be there. And if you decide on this given day that, man, I'm going to run this route at 75% speed. Well, you end up doing yourself a disservice because all of a sudden he takes two hitches and he's looking for you and you're not there and the ball ends up going somewhere else. And he won't have the confidence come game time that he can rip it in there and you're going to be there at the right time because he's never seen you do it in practice. Um, I think that's, again, you're going to have to send me that clip because I totally agree with it. And I think, like, I always am, like, fearful anytime that we're doing any kind of tempo other than, you know, obviously going full tilt as far as routes go. I'm Like, I'm always a little bit worried about, man, how, how that is going to feel, um, you know, just from the quarterback receiver standpoint. I think that's a huge point, too, Coach. I mean, you talk about, like, like posts and telling guys, you know, early in the week. I like to, to do, you know, posts early in the week because that's when guys are their most fresh and that's when the guys are fastest. It's going to be most – quote light game speed you know I, I never understood the 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 thing we need to get a ton of reps doing this well if, if they're not going full absolute full tilt sprinting speed especially on a deep route it, it it's really going to screw you up I would think as a quarterback and you'd see it a few times where you know maybe our guy overthrows it and he's used to well hey the guy's usually at 40 yards this time he was at you know 35 that's exactly right. That's and we're the same way. We do most of our down the field stuff early on in the week. Obviously, being smart and and I think our, you know, even our strength staff and um, you know, just just our staff in general. Coach Campbell's really really good at understanding um, and, and trying to allow our players to be their best on Saturdays. Um, but part of that is those guys getting exposure to what it's like to run full speed, and 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 obviously that helps us because man, it does help the timing of the quarterback throwing a route like that. Um, so, so I do think that there's positives on both sides. And, and you know, no, we're not a team that, man, I'm, I'm expecting you to run a go ball on the Friday before we play at, at full tilt. But, man, when you're getting those reps early in the week, just, just understand the value of why those are. 
and those are really important. And it, I think it's a it's a huge mistake if you're not taking advantage of those moments within um, within practice. Coach, can you talk just a little bit, you know, about your head coach? I know, you know, the people here absolutely love him. Uh, coach Campbell's been nothing but unbelievable to us as a staff. I mean, you talk about, you know, family atmosphere, open door for for coaches, and then not only that, I mean, having all sorts of opportunities for coaches to come in and learn with clinics. You know, he he brought in the Charles Bentley. You know, I know Coach Manning's a big, you know, Bentley dude. We're we're an offensive line podcast most of the time, but uh, you know, he gives us all kinds of opportunities to learn. And then I know every single guy I've ever talked to about him said they just love working for him. Yeah, you're dead on. I mean, he's incredible to be around. Again, my, my I didn't have a background with Coach Campbell um, the way most of our staff has had. Uh, you know, it's actually funny that, that, you know, that coaching transition that I dealt with in, in college, um, you know, Tim Beckman was the head coach at Toledo. He was coming to Illinois and he was bringing this high powered offense and this offensive coordinator with him. Well, that guy was Matt Campbell who ended up staying at Toledo and becoming the head coach there. So, so we missed crossing pass early on, but obviously um, being able to work for him now, uh, you know, it, it's incredible as good as he is, you know, everybody sees the uh, you know, the YouTube videos or, or the post game, you know, in the locker room speeches and in and, and the press conferences that he does where, um, he's really, really good at that stuff, uh, but but he's he's even better behind closed doors, um, just with his um, feet kicked up on the you know offensive staff room, hanging out, talking scheme, talking ball, and just a person to be around. Uh, you know, he, he's got that unique ability to to both be, um, you know, j- just a person in the room that you feel like, man, you you have just a level of comfort with and a level of just Man, he feels like he's just another guy, but you also have this like reverence and respect for him um, that more than anything, like we, we've got guys at our office that it's not necessarily, man, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid, like, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to do bad because I'm afraid coach will say this or do that. Like, you don't want to let him down. Like when you, when you work for him as a coach, you don't want to let him down because uh, that, that's the type of feel that he get. And, and again, it's the same thing for the players more than anything, like, Man, they're going to war for that dude, and and because they don't want to let him down. Like the reason that you know teams always people always say to us, "Man, your guys play hard," and you got like, and I think more than anything, um, and it, it's the coaching staff in general, but obviously Coach Campbell sets the tone of, man, those guys go out there playing hard because like that, like they want what's best for not only their brother to their left and to the right, but even for um, our coaching staff and especially our head coach, like man, that they feel like that's like the type of pull they have when they're on the field. And so um, it's, it's been an incredible experience um, getting the chance to work, work with him. Um, again, he, he's a guy that does a lot of things really, really well. You, you sit there as, a, as somebody just like the, that watches him and you wonder, man, how he does it, how he handles it, and how he manages stuff. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I think his, like his heart and his passion for this game is um, it, it's always been really specific is that like he's trying to create a great environment for players to be in. If you get to know, like he's, he's talked about his story and even, you know, what his college experience was like. And he, you know, he went to um, the University of Pittsburgh initially and didn't have a great experience, ended up going um, and transferring back home to, uh, to Mount Union. And I, I guess even his experience in Division One football, Power Five football, the fact that it didn't go 
uh, the way that he envisioned. I, I feel like he's always got this, like, man, he's not going to let that happen for any of our players. And so every decision he makes, and, and I'm not kidding you when I say this, every decision that he makes is with the players in mind. And, again, a lot of coaches would say that. A lot of, I think, college coaches would say, man, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. That's the most important thing is the players. Um, you know, but but realistically, you want some comfort for yourself and you want to make it convenient for you as a coach at times. And, and I think we all probably um, have done that, dude. Like, but I'm not kidding you with him. Like, there ain't a decision that's um, made that he's not thinking about, man, what time should we practice? Well, what is the best thing for our players? Or, or what should we do for our nutrition? What should we do for our food? I mean, what is best for the players? That's what he's thinking about. Um, you know, wholeheartedly. And, and again, that's, that's different. A, a lot of people, it's, it's easy to say that. Um, but, but man, I, it, it's been awesome to see him live that out. I know you bring that up. I, I love that point you said about it being all about the players. So, you know, we go up and, and we're sitting in on one of your guys' team meetings and he's addressing the whole team. And the whole meeting was about, because it's the last practice before spring break. And, and the whole meeting was about, you know, taking care of your buddies, not, you know, not getting too drunk and making bad decisions. If you get in a bad situation, help each other out. But I mean, it was all just like stuff that, you know, Hey, you know, maybe you forget about, maybe you glaze over. It's like, Hey, go out, have a good time, be smart. But he was like, like, you know, super pointed about it. You know, what are you going to do if this happens? What are you going to do if that happens? It was just such a cool, like life lesson that you're like, man, was, that was a, a 10 minute, a 10 minute lesson, a 10 minute story. And he had other guys, you know, kind of, you know, say a couple things from the team. But, but what a powerful impact it left on me because I'm like, man, this guy gets it. He, care, he cares about the kids. At the end of the day, he wants his entire team to come back. He doesn't want anyone to have something stupid happen over spring break. That, that's exactly right. And it's funny you say that. I think, um, you know, what, what he does and you talk about like, man, he didn't just treat it as, hey, you know, be smart, ha like have a good time, be smart. We'll see you back here soon. I, I don't think that there's ever been a meeting or an opportunity that he's just glazed over he he honestly um every single time he's in front of our our room he treats it like it's the pregame of the national championship and um just just the emphasis and just what he's trying to get across you you feel that again whether we're talking about man we just get him back for the first time in january and we're all sitting there and of course there's a bunch of juice in the room or it's mid-February and we're talking, you know, just a Wednesday evening meeting where we're checking in with those guys and making sure that they know that signups for the next semester class are going on. I'm telling you, like every single one of those opportunities he gets, he treats them like it's, it's, it's for the championship. And I think, again, being around that is something that, um, you know, just, just even having that fire on a daily basis, I think it's hard for a lot of coaches to have, but just seeing that lived out, I think, just helps our players day to day of, okay, every, again, everything's really, really important. Spring break, how I act is really, really important. So when they all of a sudden get to, you know, week one of the season and it's like, here we go. It isn't the first time they feel like, okay, coaches now, now coaches turned on where this is important. No, he's like, he's been turned on. He like, he never turned off. You know what I mean? Consistent. That's exactly right. Well, Coach, you know, rolling up on an hour now, we don't want to take too much of your time. But before we let you go, uh, the one question I always like to ask guys is, uh, you know, when you're watching another team and, and you might, if you're watching their offensive line, 
what's some things their offensive line would be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Oh, good question. Now, I'm fortunate because I do – I know this is, a you know, an <laughs> offensive line podcast for the most part that, that you guys emphasize. Um, but I'm fortunate because, again, Coach Campbell's background is offensive line. Um, our offensive coordinator, Tom Manning, obviously you mentioned it earlier, but, you know, him being an offensive line guy, our, obviously we've got an offensive line coach in Jeff Myers that – played for both of those guys. So I do feel like I get some of that um, just O-line, uh, just just mentality running through my veins on a daily basis. And and, and I would say, man, as we're watching teams, like, man, what what makes an O-line, um, I guess even even what, what ends up separating those guys? And you're going to have guys that are Again, in our conference, you get guys that are some of the some of the best in the country, and you get guys that look incredible and are this big and this. Um, but but I do feel like uh, the the way that obviously those guys finish, and I'm I'm sure this is like I would imagine this is ninety percent of what what people say. But the way that those guys finish plays and the way that those guys um, run to the football even. Um, is, is really important. I think whenever we see it on film, it jumps off. If, if you've got a, a running back that's, that's moving down the field, that those guys are chasing after the football. And, and, and again, what it shows is um, obviously those guys are, are really, really passionate about it. They're passionate about their teammates. Um, they're hungry for more. That They've got a level of um, just want to within a football game that uh, usually ends up you know, separating them one way or another. Coach, bad, good answer. I know uh, we love it when you come to Ankeny. Our guys always have a, a blast. They love to see you, and, and you do a, a phenomenal job, I feel like, of, of recruiting guys and, and being honest with uh, the staff and, and not only that, but being super open with us. So we appreciate you coming on the podcast and appreciate you just kind of being who you are, man. You've been a, a great resource for us, and we appreciate you. Well, no doubt. Keep using me. Um, I appreciate you guys having me on. It, it was really good to – to, to finally get on here. I'm glad, honestly, moments like this and, and even dealing with um, all that comes with this virus. And, um, you know, th this is an awesome opportunity just to, just to get to have some extra time to spend with you guys. And, and obviously you guys know anything that I can be doing to help. Um, yeah, here for it. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.